Defining Connection Economy Radio. This is Tribe FM. All right, here we are, slide number five of The Power of Free, Mr. Barnes. Do you want to do a quick recap on the previous four, or should we go straight into natural SEO? Let's go straight into natural SEO because um, there's so much ground that we covered in the first four parts of Power and Free, Mr. Black, that I suspect we should probably send people off to those podcasts so that they can learn about it all in detail. Hmm. So item number five, just, uh, well, let's go a little bit down back down memory lane, shall we, a bit. Um, so the way it worked was I recorded the Power Free in 2015 over 12 weeks. The first seven weeks were my first sort of efforts at trying to uh, catalyze the ideas that uh, represented what I was doing in building the Hong Kong Visa Center business model, which subsequently went on to become intelligent content marketing. And uh, those first sort of four ideas were covered in those first four uh, talks. And we're now on the fifth talk, which was uh, natural SEO. Mm. And what I what I meant sort of by natural SEO was kind of this this thing that um, when when Martin and I first got started, we knew that we could be successful with content because we'd been successful with content between 96 and 2000. But in the 10 years that were lost to foolhardy deal making and having to start again from scratch in 2010. Um, putting the websites up and acknowledging that in due course, you know, we would be able to create relationships as a result of having put uh, our IP on the web and given it away 100% for free. Um, I came to understand, Jason, that the world had moved on in the years prior to uh, as last sort of, you know, doing something like this on the web with our IP. Mm. And I didn't, I didn't understand how the world, I didn't understand how the internet worked, but I did know that, you know, I had the best, the best content in the world on my particular niche of 50,000, addressing 50,000 people. Um, but I couldn't get it to anybody's attention technically because of the way that search engine optimization and the Google algorithm was at that point in the day. Mm. And so uh, we had to rely on engineers in India that have propellers in their heads to give us basically uh, uh, the opportunity to be some, become um, you know present on the web. Uh, and, and the way it all sort of worked was, well, you know, firstly we had to have a look to see who was doing what in Hong Kong immigration and uh, do sort of an in initial analysis of what the content landscape looked like. And then we had to do keyword research and analysis. And then we did, you know, competitor analysis in terms of, you know, how we were going to uh, position ourselves content wise against uh, other people that were producing content in our niche. And then we had to look at uh, all the technical aspects about kind of, you know, mapping all of that out just for the Google algorithm and looking for places to um, do really simple syndication RSS feed uh, to various sort of locations where it, uh, hopefully our content might be a proof of interest to people and get picked up. 
Um, and then there was this whole sort of search engine and directory submission thing that doesn't happen now, thankfully. But back then, um, the state of the robots that go out and crawl the web looking for web pages to index, it was still a bit nascent. So you had to sort of take your the existence of your web pages to these directories and to these search engines and uh, and sort of let them know that you existed. And then you had to go through the whole idea of, of, of connecting your content with this uh, sort of emerging pre-modern uh, social media kind of affair that w was out there pretty early on in the web. Uh, it was called social bookmarking. Um, and then a whole array of other sort of uh, content creation activities, thinking about blogs and uh, press releases and then writing articles and submission them, submitting them to article directories and, and then trying to build backlinks and, and then, you know, finding somebody who could tell you exactly how, you know, you were performing on the search engine results pages because there were services out there that were able to do a kind of an indexing and a check thing to see how, you know, you were present in uh, you know, the indexes that the various um, search engines, Google, AltaVista, uh, others that were kind of around at that time as well. Um, and then it all of us, you know, by the time all of that was done, you had the potential to be found on the internet. Well, you know, lo and behold, Jason, who am I? I'm just a poor schmuck that knows how to do Hong Kong immigration and I can produce great content that answers questions and helps solve problems. And, gives me the ability to uh, forge relationships with people on the basis that they can actually find our material. And anyway, so over about the course of about 18 months, Martin and I were producing content hand over fist, and we we're paying these guys in India to kind of go through the analysis that I've just sort of gone through and let them pick up um, various facets of you know those activities and, and then ostensibly give us some sort of presence on the internet. And I thought to myself, this can't be right. I'm producing the best possible content in my niche. Nobody else in the world has got content as good as this. So what, what is it that I have to have these third-party engineers to help me achieve my objectives? Hmm. And then in the shower one day, I had a eureka moment. I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe how brilliant I was in having sort of, you know, understood this. Uh, and the eureka moment was this understanding that Google at all times were saying, look, don't try and game the algorithm. Don't try and look for signals that, you know, we um, have, uh, we use, you know, integrally to identify which content to surface and put on page one of Google. Don't do that. Concentrate on producing the best possible content in your niche. And, uh, and, and we will eventually acknowledge it and, uh, and you'll get ranked for it. Which sort of, you know, okay, I've read that before, but, you know, the whole world was talking about SEO, SEO, SEO. Um, and no one was really paying attention to what Google was saying. But as I said, after about 18 months of all this technical SEO malarkey, I, I said to myself, no, Google are onto something here. What's the game? So I did a bit of thinking, and then it came to me, Eureka, bingo, in the shower. What Google are doing is they're... They're producing an algorithm that's ever-evolving, and it's ever-evolving as a result of the inputs that they're able to uh, collect, all the data that they are able to discern by crawling all these websites and then 
and knowing what kind of traffic's going on those websites. And from the the traffic profiles, number of visitors, how long they stay, you know, do people go onto uh, onto a site and bounce off if a particular search query has been been put in uh, the box, but they bounce off, and that suggests to Google that that bounce off means that actually that page doesn't actually address the reason why. Um, you know, they were sent to that page in the first place as a result of, you know, the query that was put into into the in, into the Google box there. Mm. And so while, while all this was going on, I realized, no, 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 this thing is going to evolve. It's going to carry on and it's impossible to game Google because they're the, they're the, they are the only ones with the um, with the inputs and all the data. So you're on a hiding to nothing trying to trying to game Google. So let's forget about all of that. Let's just focus on the idea that Google wants the best content. So if they want the best content, where does it inevitably take you? And then it occurred to me, you know, maybe in future robot land, what's going to happen is that the Google algorithm is going to settle on one fundamental core notion, and that is natural language. That as the machine gets built and humans get used to being able to access machine this machine to be able to access the material that they need to allow them to progress their goals as humans. The obvious way to interrogate that machine is using natural language, right? You ask me a question, Jason, I, I formulate that question in such a way so that you're able to understand what I'm asking and then you know I'm anticipating that the fact that the mere fact that I've asked you, you've got the answer to it, right? Hmm. So if you use natural language questions, and you then produce your content around this idea that natural language questions will be asked, then inevitably what's going to happen if you continue publishing and you ask your audience to ask you questions and thereby soliciting, eliciting, not soliciting, mm -hmm. eliciting from the audience um, the kind of questions that evolve naturally in the particular niche that you exist to serve, in due course, over time, what will happen is that all those potential questions and the variations that could ever be asked in your niche is going to get asked. Uh, and you'll map the, t the total knowledge graph. Okay. And uh, that was my awareness. And, and, and that, that was the, uh, the, the birth of the new natural SEO um, dimension to the in intelligent content marketing proposition. Okay, so explain natural language. In, is, is it a way, a way that people will uh, formulate a question in mind and then type that question as they think it? Yeah, it goes like this. What's the minimum salary for a Hong Kong employment visa? Can I get the ride of a boat if I've been absent from Hong Kong for more than six months at a time? Will my 18-year-old daughter be able to get a dependent visa? Okay. Any question that normally arises in the construct well, within the, the parameters of the niche that you exist to serve, um, there is a finite number of them. Sure. And then there's only a finite number of, of variations on those themes that represent tweaks and what have you. And um, and sort of, you know, my story has, has sort of evolved over time and allowed me to conclude through having published as long as I have now, nigh on 10 years, and having access to all our analytics, which is all reproduced in our video proof of the pudding, um, it's 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 proven to be completely true mm. that uh, if you produce if you if you produce content that specifically is designed to be found by Google in the context of a natural language question and answer session and you your content not only answers the question but then goes the extra mile and then avails the practical um, dynamics of the uh, answer to that question being turned into something tangible like you can say yeah 
this is the answer to the question and these are the things that you need to do and here's all the resources that you need to be able to do it. Mm. If you develop that kind of proposition on the web, driven by this idea that you're going to answer natural language questions, then over time uh, you will inevitably map the knowledge graph and you'll dominate organic search. Now, I had a look online um, just to see the search engines out there and Google dominate the market by just over 92%. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, and well, obviously I, I, in China, it's in different. Um, they only have a very small market share because uh, Baidu obviously uh, capitalizes on the Chinese market. So if you're in Asia or Perhaps even in, if we use Hong Kong as an example, it's still relying on Google, isn't it? Indeed, yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. You were going to say, yeah, yeah. No, so yeah, so over time, what happened was the Google algorithm, indeed, just uh, all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, within about three years, the Google algorithm had had adjusted in such a way the, that it was it was inevitable, not inevitable. It became apparent to me that my thinking was correct. So they did, uh, they released three new sort of updates over that time to their Google algorithm. Uh, one, I think, was called uh, the Panda update. That was called the Penguin update. And the other was the Hummingbird update. And collectively, these three updates to the algorithm kind of created the... Um, the basis for what's gone on to be uh, natural language query uh, engagement to avail the potential for the best possible um, result. Since then, and this would have been 2017, 2018. No, 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 it was earlier than that, beg your pardon, no. No, it would have been 40, 2014, 2015. So those, um, those updates, the animal updates to the algorithm were, were then implemented and the SEO game changed because at that point then all these SEO experts started to fall away. Not so much that um, there wasn't that there was a general appreciation that it was that natural language questions was, was the order of the day, but they just became um, less and less able to deliver value because they could no longer game the algorithm and sort of you know the um, predictions that uh, Google had about what might result ultimately by being able to give the best possible results through a single search engine like Google came to pass. And then only last year, 2019, so let's say two or three years on since the animals had done their thing and become entrenched, then um, I came to understand that Google had joined an open source consortium of artificial intelligence-driven, machine learning-enabled uh, a code that has been uh, contributed to by probably several millions of people and it's all been crunched and there's this open source notion now of like heuretics and there's this artificial intelligence sort of language um, animal if you will that exists that you they can plug into their algorithm and all these all the other parties are using the same engine as well and, and using it for their own purposes. But mm. it but it provides um, the kind of um, integrity to the um, the way that the internet has been used to parse what amounts to the meaning in 
natural language as a general linguistic proposition. So previously, it was all about trying to interpret what was being said as a result of assessment text on page. That's all well and good, but of course, what you write is different from what you speak, right? Yep. And so, as I say, a separate open source initiative that was ongoing for a number of years that was designed essentially to create some sort of predictability to um, understanding what might be being asked in natural language has evolved, as you'd imagine it would, to the point where Google have, have stepped in and they're playing ball as well now and they're, they're inculcating that into the algorithm. So uh, there's no doubt at all that you know, natural language is the is the order of the day when it comes to um, SEO. And that's, you know, that's the really good news, Jason, because, you know, 10 years ago when I was at it, uh, I had to rely on other people, these engineering folks that would allow me to achieve my so-called SEO goals. These days, you don't have to rely on anybody with, with propellers in their heads. You can simply produce your content around, you know, inviting people to ask you questions in language which they ordinarily use. And then you answer the you answer the question in language which you would ordinarily use, and then give them what they need so that they can be practical as a result of having consumed you know the answer that you've given them, and and that will form the basis of a relationship. So, natural SEO is the order of the day, sir. Okay. Now we spoke a little while ago and used the example of the tax expert, right? Now I appreciate that you are not a tax expert, um, but would you say that in every niche? There is natural language, no matter how complex the niche. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So well, let's let's turn let's turn that question sort of back to you. Um, you're a culinary expert, right? If you were thrown into a sushi restaurant, you even though you know the sushi chef per se, you could absolutely hold your own in there, right? You could have conversations with Japanese sushi chefs. You could talk about. You know, the fish, you could talk about freshness, sources of fish. You could talk about the way you cut it, what the risks are, how you prepare it, what it goes with. I mean, you know, you know the stuff inside out, right? Mm. But you're not a sushi expert. Yep. So the conversation that you would have with sushi experts would involve natural language predicated on what you know about the subject matter, correct? Got you. Got you. And I suppose if anybody is looking for a uh, professional service, expert in their niche they already have a problem that requires solving so they're looking for somebody who does have the ability to communicate and you'd be answering the questions that people would be likely to ask anyway indeed and you're the expert right so because mm. you're the expert you can anticipate what those questions are going to be mm. so i always say you know to get started with intelligent content marketing power free you know the the idea is at, you got to start somewhere. How do you do it? Ask, find out. Ask yourself, what are the top 100 questions that anybody ever asks in your niche? Once you've identified those top 100 questions, you then produce, write an answer to them. Once you've, reduced, once you've written an answer to them, go back to them and they say, well, okay, I've told them what they need to know. What are, the, what are the actionable things that need to occur as a result of them having received this knowledge? And how can I then help them with the next phase of their challenge which is to convert your know-how into something tangible and uh and we'll let them go on to sort of achieve their goals completely so uh the whole thing about uh intelligent content marketing as i say is that every single niche has got 100 questions at least that can be answered and then out of 
the addressing your mind to those hundred questions, you can then think about all the actionable stuff that needs to be done to help people to create the outcomes, you know, to the problems that they brought that brought them to your attention in the first place. Mm. And in the process, two things will happen. Mm. They will understand they'll understand what the solution to the problem is because you've told them definitively and you give them a nice warm feeling that actually everything that they need to solve that problem is there right there on your website. That's the first thing that you've done. And the second thing you've done is that through that exercise, you've persuaded them indirectly that actually, if this is something that they may not want to do themselves, but they want somebody to help them with it, then why go any further than to you? Because it's clear you know what you're talking about. All right. So would you say that then natural language is um, a great boost to getting your SEO better? So, Well, to be honest, Jay, Mm-hmm. To be honest, Jason, I, I mean, there's if you if your business is in the business of helping to solve problems, then you need to be able to attract people that have the problem to you in the first place. Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to do it in a way that doesn't require you to acquire any new expertise just to be able to do that. Mm. So publishing in WordPress, anticipating the use of natural language in how you develop your content en route to creating relationships is within the grasp of everybody, right, who's got an expertise in a particular niche. I, I think I, perhaps I didn't, I didn't phrase my question properly. Let me, go back to, let me go back to it. I think as soon as somebody uses an acronym to describe a process, you know that you need to have somebody bright who's going to do it for you and therefore they're going to charge you to do it. So with SEO being... We, we were told that it was a lot more complicated than it actually is because obviously there were people who were monetizing their skills and being able to do it. Would you say that using natural language and um, creating your content to answer uh, questions that have been written in natural language, would you say that that gives you a large leg up on others who don't do it? Yes, because you can do it yourself. You can ah. actually tangibly do it yourself. Okay. You can You can craft you can anticipate what the questions are. You can craft the answers to the question. You can develop the resources. And you don't need to have any additional expertise, technical expertise in so-called SEO land than mm-hmm. being able to do that and then being able to produce a piece of content on WordPress, which is very straightforward, can be learned in a day, using a plugin for uh, WordPress called Yoast SEO. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that to collectively is all that you need to do press press send then distribute that particular link to your wordpress website through all your social media channels and just carry on doing that and in due course google will begin to reward you now using the um content on um the encyclopedia of intelligent content marketing you know that i'm building a platform um on wordpress and i've obviously been applying this knowledge myself um, and one of the features that I did find of Yoast, which was excellent, was it actually gives you real-time SEO optimization hints as you're going along. So it will say to you, you know, this is probably not the best version of what you can do. You need to adjust your title like this to make it more optimized. And it does that with headings. It does it with content. It does it with everything as you're going, including the number of words you uh, are using in your articles. So uh, even for somebody who is not computer savvy to have a tool that's actually working live right next to you as you're typing, I found invaluable. 
especially in that you don't have to, you don't write ten articles, for example, and then you find out that they are not SEO, uh, not as good in SEO as they should be. At least then you can fix it while you're doing it. Yeah, well, the tools are very straightforward, right? And that's mm. the beauty of it today. I mean, ten years ago, it was it was a de decade. The technology we were using then was was a, a, a decade less mature. Mm. Um, these days, it's if for the most part, it's a piece of cake. And you know, I, I'm quite vociferous in this sort of refrain that uh, if you're an expert and you, you need to monetize your expertise in a new way, because you know we're now in the connection economy and COVID has you know sent your world to hell in a handbasket then uh, publishing to the internet in a simple way, taking new skills that you need to acquire that are, as I've said once previously, they're no more challenging than anything you might have studied for your degree. So, you know, if you've got the intellectual now to complete a degree and as an expert now on service professional, you're definitely a graduate, then you can play, you, you can make a commitment to get, get to grips with this stuff if you know how to do it. Uh, get on with it, and the technology is full of the arrows these days, for the most part. So if you're not if you're not getting on with it, you're going to see, it begs the question, why not? And that then just goes to the psychology of change and what's between people's ears. But yeah, I, I I've thought this through, and there's ten or fifteen years from now, we're going to live in a platform economy. The internet is massive, right? Nobody can ever consume everything that's on the internet. But ultimately, there's going to be a consolidation into single platforms that contain everything that you need to address one particular facet of being a human being. And they're going to, um, uh, and one by one, all these particular platforms are going to represent the totality of, of human endeavor. And uh, there's going to be winners and losers, and the winners are going to be those people who know how to harness the power of the connection economy on the web to essentially build a monopoly and the losers are going to be those that look at the um the other available platforms and monetize their expertise through those other available platforms but the thing about the other available platforms is that you can't build a monopoly you can take your business model onto youtube and you can create relationships via youtube no problem at all quite apart from the fact that you're building your house on rented land and Google can cut you off at any point in time, three strikes and you're out. And also they can censor what you're all about too and you don't have any control over that. But, you know, you can actually, as an expert now, service professional, use YouTube quite quite properly to, um, to, to monetize your expertise. So YouTube as a platform is going to uh, enable that. And then there's LinkedIn as a platform LinkedIn going to allow expert know-how service professionals to, to to put their presence on the web via LinkedIn, and they're going to be able to create relationships, and no doubt they're going to be able to uh, sell stuff and what have you through that. But once again, you see, uh, if you commit your business model to the LinkedIn platform, you're building a house on rented land, and 15, 20 years from now, who the hell knows what policies are going to be, and where is that going to leave you? And again, in the final analysis, uh, if you build your build your proposition on on LinkedIn, then you're going to be generating all your traffic from LinkedIn. And goodness gracious me, it's the biggest platform, uh, in, you know, in the world where professionals hang out. So there's nothing wrong with that. But you can't build a monopoly. All you're going to do is you're going to compete against everybody else on LinkedIn. And and again, finally, if if LinkedIn subsequently go into an array of like services provision as they expand into logical adjacencies that's going to compete with you 
Well, guess what? Do you think that you know your content is going to be surfaced inside LinkedIn over and above the content that uh, is going to promote the commercial interests of um, well, it's it's um, Microsoft, isn't it? Also owns LinkedIn now, so uh, you know you're going to you're going to find yourself potentially at the risk of of losing everything because you you built your house on rented land. In the meantime, of course. Any of your competitors who kind of gets the intelligent content marketing view of the world, they're going to go off and and build their own platform like we've done in Hong Kong immigration, like we've done intelligent content marketing, like we're doing with professional services in Hong Kong with Zip. We're going to build these platforms, and these platforms are never going to be capable of of of, of supersede of being superseded by um, anybody else, including you know link, the LinkedIn's of the world and the YouTube's of the world and the Amazons of the world. Mm. Uh, you're going to have the opportunity to own the monopoly in that particular intellectual mind space that you're the expert on, as a result of you having sunk your entire content proposition, your IP and know-how on the web, and that having become you know the, uh, the, the 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 recognized authority on that particular niche, and therefore you win by default. So yeah, you can't. You have to, inevitably over over 15, 20 years, we're going to see these mega platforms that that take care of all the social media and the connections and that kind of stuff. You're going to see Amazon go ever deeper into retail and selling stuff. Anything that sells gets sold by the web. Uh, is going to end up via uh, via an Amazon proposition, and then me mortals like like me that's got an audience of fifty thousand people in Hong Kong immigration, no one's going to be able to take that away from me because none of these no no other party's got the wherewithal to be able to do so from an intellectual perspective, and also because I've got ten years of platform building under my belt. Mm. So yeah, monopoly building into these micro niches in, is, is is an inevitable consequence of the connection economy and, and and those experts that get this stuff and get there first are going to end up with monopolies and as we both know sir that starts ultimately and really at the beginning with your story which is where we will go to in our next episode well yeah covid has um has taken its toil right and it's given the intelligent content marketing business model the last five years to mature and to kind of like um, show that our crystal balls five years ago were supercharged and right now it's all sort of coming to pass and you can see you know before your very eyes the reality that you know as you started off a conversation today Amazon have got 90 odd percent monopoly on their niche right well, those people, those businesses that have monopolies end up with 90% market share at a minimum. And uh, you know, Amazon and Facebook, um, Instagram, even though it's owned by Facebook, and there's a reason, remember, why Facebook bought Instagram and also WhatsApp, because these are, for the most part, you know, the main uh, messaging platforms. And Facebook have understood the importance of owning these things because you get 90% market share. Mm. Um uh, similarly with Skype and Microsoft, obviously, even though Zoom's giving them a bit of a uh, bit of a challenge these days. But yeah, so uh, your story next week.